आप सुन रहे हैं एच डी स्मार्ट कास्ट और ये है लाइव हिंदुस्तान प्रोडक्शन गुड इवनिंग एंड वेलकम टू दिस वेरी स्पेशल ब्रॉडकास्ट वेयर आई एम जॉइंड बाय इंडिया टॉप वेरोलॉजिस्ट एंड वन ऑफ द मोस्ट अथॉरिटेटिव वॉइस ऑन कोविड नाइन्टीन डॉक्टर गगन Deep Kang, who joins us from Vellore, where she is professor at the Christian Medical College, and the reason why I was very keen to have her on the record is because the government, in its health ministry briefing today, has said the time has come now, perhaps, that it's wiser for people to wear masks even indoors. Now, when I contacted Dr. Kang about this, she just happened to be at that time in a seminar about. face masks as well so we couldn't get anyone more authoritative uh and and someone who can really explain to us what this means whether it's really necessary because there are so many questions that come to mind so dr kang first of all thank you so much for taking out time at what must be a very busy time for you thanks for having me on dr kang i so i want to start right with that question um you know Dr VK Paul who is member health at Niti Aayog he said and just to i don't know whether you caught that uh, press conference or not he said that if you have someone at home who is covid positive then it perhaps makes sense for everyone else to wear masks even indoors and then he said the key thing where he said even otherwise even if there is no one positive it's perhaps wiser now for people to wear masks at home now do you agree with that point of view I think the thing to think about is how are infections acquired and infections are acquired when you have somebody who is infected in your vicinity and that person is a source of infection when that person speaks eats sings breathes in and out they will be putting out viral particles and they'll be putting out viral particles even with the new infectious variant uh for about a week to 9 days with the older versions of the virus we thought it was about a week 2 days before you had symptoms about 5 days after you started to have symptoms now what seems to be happening with the new variant is that at least with the uk variant we know that the amount of virus that is in the respiratory tract is quite a lot much more than for the ancestral variant of the virus which means that a lot more virus is getting shed so in that situation whenever you are around an infected person it makes sense for them to mask because that acts as source control and it makes sense for you to mask so that you are each protecting the other from infection now should you be masking at home obviously when you have someone who is infected and infectious it makes a lot of sense to stay masked if you are in contact with people that you do not know whether they are infected or not or how much exposure they have had outside it makes sense to stay masked now should you stay masked inside the house with people that you know 
who have not been exposed recently to anybody who has been infected or somebody who is unknown to the family. I'm not sure what level of risk that has and whether in that situation also you should be unmasked, you should mask up. Okay, so if somebody wants to err on the side of caution, then they can choose to wear a mask even if no one around them or their family members aren't positive per se. It's not about being positive because a lot of infection happens when you're asymptomatic. So if somebody in your family has been in contact with other people who might be potentially infectious and you want to be sure that they haven't really brought an infection home, then it makes sense to stay with a mask until you're sure that that your family member has not been infected during the time that they were in contact with others. Now, this applies, obviously, when there is very high transmission outside and you're really worried about the risk. Once this settles down and you have less transmission outside, let's say, in Delhi, then it might be time to think about less intensive wearing of masks at home. Dr. Kang, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, when we've heard this at the government briefing, I just called up a couple of doctors, just regular uh, GPs, and they were saying, while they weren't uh, as definitive, but they said it may not be a bad idea because there are a lot of families where a lot of entire families are getting impacted. And one of the family members goes out to work where they aren't even aware if anyone that they come into contact with at work and they may be wearing masks, but if they're asymptomatic or not. Does this especially apply to them that if you have a family member who goes out to work every day, who can't abide by the otherwise lockdown that it is that is in place in Delhi, then you should definitely be wearing a mask with your family member who goes out to work? I think there is at this time a very high risk in places like Delhi where you are going to be coming, the person who goes outside is going to be coming in contact with people for whom the infection status is unknown. And any time you have an unknown infection status, you should be treating that contact as a potentially infectious contact. So if you want to be really careful, Absolutely, that is good advice to follow at this time. Now, the other thing to think about is, you know, what should you do once everybody in the family is vaccinated? Should you be following the same process then? Well, in other parts of the world, there are specific recommendations for that. The CDC, for example, says that if everybody in the family is vaccinated, then it is safe for you to be around each other without masks. So if there is an incentive to get vaccinated, that's it. Yes, definitely. And, um, you know, that really takes away any kind of hesitancy that anyone should have. Um, Dr. Kang, now I wanted to ask you about um, the kind of masks. We've heard a lot of people say that now. Can you say definitively now, and especially like you said, there is a high infection that's happening around the capital. Is it now safe to say that cloth masks are not enough, that N95 is the way to go for everyone if they're stepping out? I think N95 masks are expensive 
and are a luxury, but N95 masks without valves are the safest protection that you can have. It's a very important that with the N95 or with the surgical mask, you wear it well. You make sure that it's not sitting below your nose. It's fitting well over your chin. If your glasses are steaming up on top of a mask, you're not wearing it well because air is actually coming out from the mask and into the area under your glasses. So, you know, you really need to make sure that if the mask has a nose piece, you make sure that the nose piece folds nicely over your nose. So the order is N95 masks for any situations where you're at reasonably high risk. Surgical masks, three-layered, good quality surgical masks for most other interactions. Cloth masks at this time in Delhi, I would advise that you use the cloth mask only to make sure that your surgical mask is fitting as well as possible. So wear a surgical mask and then wear a cloth mask over it because that will make sure that the surgical mask adheres better to your face. That really clarifies things. Dr. Kang, I wanted to ask you, this entire thing about N95, the question actually came up when there was a study that was published that talked about uh, the, vir the coronavirus being airborne. Now, it's created a lot of you know, a lot of uh, kind of confusion. So I want you to clear it once and for all, because I remember when someone in my family was infected, the best advice that someone gave me, and it felt kind of right as well, was that have as much ventilation as possible at home so that, you know, the, you have air. So now people seem to feel because of the number of, you know, infections that are there. And because of this study about the virus being airborne, that it's like a miasma in the air. If you open your windows, it can come in and get you. Because, Dr. Kang, I think you would have also heard people have anecdotal, uh, you know, they have a lot of anecdotal stories now, which they're all sharing with each other, that how are people who are not going out, how are they getting infected? So would you please clarify on this airborne aspect and whether having windows and others open, and what could be the explanation for people who say that they haven't been out and yet are infected? So the virus has always been airborne in a sense because it's a respiratory virus. So it's a virus that uh, comes out of your respiratory tract, your mouth, your nose. And the virus can come out as a range of particle sizes. So you can have very small particles and you can have very large particles. Originally, when we first heard about the virus, we weren't sure whether there was human to human transmission. And then when we knew there was human to human transmission, we thought most of the transmission was due to droplet infections. Now, droplet infections are large part particle sizes, which means when you breathe out, if you have a large particle size, it will settle within an area that is around you, approximately three feet up to about six feet, depending on how far you projected those droplets. So part of the physical distancing measures were to tell people to stay out of the zone, which would be impacted if it was a droplet infection. 
we now know that it isn't only droplets, it's also an aerosol that is generated, which is just that the viral particles are smaller than the five micron cutoff. We thought they were more than five micron. Actually, there are particles that are less than five microns. Now, if those particles are that small, they have the ability to float around in the air for a lot longer. And if you're in a completely enclosed room with an infected person, those particles will build up over time. So ventilation is good because it creates an airflow that dilutes the particles out. Now, how can a person get infected if they've never been near an infectious person or somebody they didn't know? Well, there are two ways that it might happen. One is you didn't know that someone was infectious who came home. And it's very possible that if you live with young people, they may have had a completely asymptomatic infection that was never picked up, but was enough to infect an older and somewhat more susceptible person. The other one which has been hypothesized but has not been proven is that when you have a droplet infection and you have droplets that fall all around you, when you clean after that, those droplets, instead of being big drops, can now become an aerosol. That can float around for a while and that might be sufficient to infect another person. The latter one sounds a little less uh, clear to me. It's been shown in experimental systems trying to infect animals that this can happen. But for humans, I have no data that backs that up. Where ventilation is concerned, I think it's very important that you maintain that air circulation. Remember that one virus doesn't infect you. That one virus floating around in the air is not going to infect you. You need most likely, we don't know how many viruses you need to infect you. But for SARS-CoV-1, it was a few hundred. And I think it's going to be a few hundred to a thousand viruses that you might require to be able to set up an infection. And if you have good ventilation, it's very unlikely that you will have enough viruses floating around to infect you there. It has to be in proximity to a source. So this, uh, this hypothesized second uh, aspect which hasn't really been proven yet dr Kang, would would that play out is you know because people are now iffy should they be ordering food from outside should they be uh, having someone come in to help them clean up or cook um, you no. remember what happened last year where everybody was worried about how long the virus would survive on cardboard? Yes. Whether you should have a Zomato person come and deliver pizza to you? Well, yeah. there is no evidence that people have acquired infection through those mechanisms as yet. It really is about being in proximity with people who are infected and infectious. So as long as people come to the door, leave things behind, they're not breathing in your face, you are making sure that you know there is good air circulation there, you should be all right. Is it anecdotal again, or 
is the virus now we know as you've said as well in the interview it is much more infectious this variants that are there now is it also deadlier dr kang there is some evidence that d117 which is the variant that has increased in punjab and in delhi uh may be causing more severe disease it certainly is more infectious and it seems to last for a bit longer than the older versions of the virus now will this hold true also for b1617 or the variant under investigation found in india we don't know that as yet we don't have the data this may be a much more the earlier questions were objective but this one may be a trickier question but i have to ask you because we have to get the scientist opinion because it's a raging debate right now the oxygen deaths that are taking place now the paucity of oxygen is something that was seems to have been flagged at various platforms over the course of the past year whether it's parliamentary panels the empowered groups that were looking into it the fact that we weren't prepared to this kind of demand and search is that something that could have been avoided or you know is it something that takes years to build up for and our system and our kind of healthcare system was never really um you know in that position to deal with no one could anticipate this kind of a situation i think that's a very difficult thing to assess obviously we don't have as much oxygen as is needed in the places that are worst hit at this time but in terms of logistics for establishing new infrastructure could we have been faster we could always have been faster did we not do the right thing i don't think anybody was anticipating a surge of this size should we have looked at other countries and predicted that this would happen but we didn't even though there have been second waves in other places the behavior of viruses is difficult to predict but i think both in terms of logistics and what is happening now i hope this will be a lesson to us in the future that building up infrastructure that allows for surge capacity for more beds than you need today for more facilities than you need today is always going to be a good investment do you think that a lot of the people the policy makers should have been working very hard january to march when numbers had really gone down across the country instead of and and what they did was that they got complacent So I'm actually working on um, uh, with a group that is seeking to develop a roadmap for healthcare for India, and we really think that you know not just for this few months. Obviously, it's critically important to do what we can, but both short term and long term, we need investments in health. We need investments in primary care. we have not had them this happens time after time every time there is an emergency certain issues get highlighted as soon as the emergency is over that is no longer an urgent need it happened after the first wave and i hope it won't happen after the second 
this investment in health is, of course, a long-term kind of objective which government should have. Dr. Kam, final question to you. What is the most important, two or three most important steps that the government can take right now um, so that, you know, the kind of terrible news that we are seeing from all over, whether it's uh, Delhi or Maharashtra or other places as well, what should they be focusing and doing immediately? I think provide, providing for urgent care outside of hospital facilities. So if hospitals don't have beds and can't handle patients, then what is it that you can do to ready beds as soon as possible? Nobody should be left lying outside of a hospital. And at least in term of, terms of what has been done today by ITBP, by the Radhaswamis, I think is something that is a step in the right direction. We just need more of that to help us weather the next few weeks. Dr. Kang, thank you so much. This has been illuminating. Um, thanks for uh, giving us all that perspective. Thanks a lot. When did Chennai win its first cup? In 2010. Who won the orange cap last year? KL Rahul with 670 runs. If you too are a cricket know-it-all, then play the Crick Bazi contest. Watch Crick Bazi on HD Smartcast YouTube channel and win exciting gifts on the daily Crick Bazi Ka Bazigar contest. Crick Bazi on HD Smartcast YouTube channel. Click on the bell icon to never miss a chance to win. Subscribe to HD Smartcast for more podcasts. आप सुन रहे हैं HD Smartcast और ये था Live Hindustan Production. HD Smartcast.